Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. If you brought your Bibles today, go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 1. Come on, give a shout out for the Word of God today. Hallelujah. 2 Samuel chapter 1. We have been in a series on King David and um, talking about how to have a right heart when the world goes all wrong. And so this is week 7, and uh, I want to deal with the fall of Saul and the rise of David. And um, I'm going to do a little different today. I'm going to do a kind of a narrative style, kind of tell you the story. And I only got one in main point, one main point that I want to share today, but uh, Pastor Steve brought an awesome word last week about being David at the city of Ziglag. Amen? Yeah. Give some appreciation for that if that blessed you. Did a fantastic job, and, and um, so that was the last big battle for King David, or he wasn't king then, right before he became king. How many know our biggest battles come before our biggest blessings? You need to write that down. Our biggest battles will come before our biggest blessing. And that's exactly what Ziglag was. It was his biggest battle. It was his toughest battle. 2020 is a battle, so you know what? I'm already expecting 2021 to be the best year we've ever experienced as a church and as a, even as a country in Jesus' name. You believe that? You receive it? You've got to receive these promises by faith. And, and so it was also a place where it says David encouraged himself in the Lord. One of the lessons you've got to learn uh, is to be your best encourager. 2020 has been a season where you've had to be your own encourager. You've had to learn to get a lot of things on your own, as in this quarantine and this season that we are in. But uh, today I want to minister on the fall of Saul and the rise of David. Write, write this down. God's measuring stick for leadership is the heart. God's measuring stick for leadership it is the heart. It don't matter what your credentials are. It doesn't matter how um, even educated or what kind of a family you came from. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. That's why you see people in the Bible that end up being rulers and leaders like Gideon, like David, who came from a tribe, a shepherd boy. He was a, his family were shepherds. They were not from the palace. They were not polished at all. But yet God saw that he had the right heart. Come on, somebody. And God uses leaders and calls leaders from every dimension of life. You may be a young person today, a teenager, a college student. God wants you to know you are a leader. He can call you out to be a leader as a young person in your neighborhood, in your school, wherever you are, whatever kind of school we're going to have this year. He uses leaders and he looks at the heart. This was the main difference between Saul and David. And so here today, we're going to say goodbye to King Saul. We're going to see his tragic end. 1 Samuel, the last chapter in 1 Samuel records the fatal tragedy of King Saul. And 2 Samuel chapter 1, as we are in right now, has one powerful lesson in it that I want to bring out today. And then it's going to, 2 Samuel mainly deals with David's rule and his reign. It also deals with his family problems. And um, I've been praying about it, and I think I'm going to go ahead and continue to go with that series and talk about David's family problems. He had some dysfunction in his families, in his family. And uh, don't raise your hand. 
And uh, God gave us another front row seat to his problems. I mean, he had, he had to deal with sexual problems with his children. He had to deal with one of his children trying to kill him, turned on him, fights, and just, it actually breaks the heart of, of, of the reader when you read what David went through with his family. He fell, he had a major sin in his life, and so we're going to cover all, that's what 2 Samuel really deals with. Let's pray right now, because this is so important, this is what I'm getting ready to share with you, and I want God to do his work and the Holy Spirit to have his way in our heart today. Because God is still moving and he's still doing miracles. He's still healing, isn't he, Rosemary? This young woman right here with her hand up just was healed uh, in her body this past week. Amen? Amen. Give God praise for that. Amen. That's why she was able to worship a little louder today and a little, hey man, when you read in the Bible when people were healed, they went leaping into the house of God. Some of you that don't leap and you can leap, shame on you. Sometimes when we realize what we can't do, it makes us want to do it even more, like have church. Amen? But Father, have your way in our hearts today as we look into your word. I pray, God, that you, however someone's watching it, they're here in the building, wherever they're watching us, Father, that you will do a work in their hearts today. We give you permission, Holy Spirit, to do this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. So 2 Samuel mainly deals with the life of David. But it opens up with one more final lesson from King Saul. And Saul, he, he always did it his way. He always did it his way. Elvis Presley sung a song, I think. Right, Mama? I did it my way. Amen. King Saul was a guy that always just did it his way. That was a problem. He, was a, he had an independent spirit. He, would not, he just wouldn't submit and do it, do it God's way. He just, he just wouldn't do it. And this is important to hear this one story because it, it relates to today. And you see this in Saul from the very beginning. And God said to Saul, he said, he said, Saul, I want you to go down. And he just got anointed king. And God said, I want to give you your first mission as king of Israel. And I want you to go down. I want you to wipe out the Amalekites. Everybody say Amalekites. Now the Amalekites, you've got to understand the context here. First of all, this was a day where it was eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. It wasn't no grace, it wasn't no mercy, this was wartime. And so what the Amalekites did is when Israel was coming out of Egypt after being slaves for 400 years and being in bondage for 400 years, they were coming out of Israel by Moses. The Amalekites, the Bible says, ambushed them and attacked their rear flank. Where they were when they were tired and when they were weary, weary, the Amalekites attacked them and killed many of them. I'm told the cameras can follow me, so we'll we'll test them today, boys. Amen. And so, what the Amalekites are the only people. Please get this: they're the only people that Israel fought during the 40 years of the wilderness. They did not have any battles until they got into the promised land and they took down the big city with the walls, which is Jericho, Ai. That's what, they only had one battle that they fought during the wilderness and it's the Amalekites. Everybody say Amalekites. Who are these Amalekites? They're descendants of Esau. Esau represents the flesh. 
I'm going a little deep with you today. How many know some, our biggest problem isn't always Satan? It's sometimes the man in the mirror. I think Michael Jackson was prophetic when he sung that song. I know you're singing it. I began it with the man in the mirror. That's seriously the problem. Galatians chapter 5 lists a whole list of works of the flesh. These are our biggest problems. Some of us don't need any devil to mess us up. We do good on our own selves. Say amen or oh me. That's the Amalekites. They represent the flesh. They come against Israel when Israel was tired and when he was weary. I feel the Holy Spirit today. Daniel said in the last days, one of the tactics of the enemy is to wear out the saints. You feel tired today? You feel fatigue every time you turn on the news? Every time you go out of your neighborhood? I know we got to wear these masks and everything. And just 2020 is weighing us down. That's an attack from the enemy right out of the pits of hell. I want to remind you today that Jesus said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You believe that today? Want to remind you of that? Want to remind you of that? He can't take you out. But Israel was tired. And when he was tired and weary, then the flesh came in. And then it killed many of the Israelites. So God said, Moses, now ain't the time to fight back because they're, uh, they were slaves for 400 years. They're not warriors. They don't know how to fight. So I want you to just trust in me. I'm going to take care of the flesh. I'm going to take care of the, of the Amalekites. Now do we understand how evil the Amalekites are? King Saul is anointed. God said, Saul, I want you to go down and wipe out the Amalekites for what they did to my people. How many know sooner or later God will avenge himself? Didn't we learn that in this lesson? That's why David didn't throw the spear back. Remember that message? What, what does Paul say in the New Testament? Say, make room for the uh, a vengeance of God, for a vengeance, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We're going to really go deeper into that next week. But God said to Israel, to uh, Saul, go take him out for what he done, because of what they done to my people. So Saul goes down there, and he looks at the Amalekites, and Saul has a better idea than God. Saul says, I know what the Word of God says. I know what the Word of God says about what I'm supposed to do with my emotions, my mind, my finances. I know about worshiping God, keeping Him first. I know about living like a Christian. But 2020, come on, this is the year where we kind of like, you know, kind of do it our way. I'm just trying to help us bring a little relevance here today. Because it's, I, you done prayed and gave God permission. So I'm just being used today because God done spoke to my heart about this. So Saul got there, and he had a better idea than what God got. Saul said, you know what? Instead of killing the sheep and the goats and the herds and, and, and these evil people, I'm, I'm going to keep some of the sheep for worship or for, an, for a sacrifice to God. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to capture the king. I'm going to capture him so I can use him as a trophy to show all of God's enemies what happens if you mess with God's people. It almost sounds kind of like, yeah, it's, that makes a little sense. It takes me back to Genesis when God said, don't eat of that tree. But another voice came when she was isolated and by herself and said, did God really say, is that way really the best way? Are you really supposed to live and forgive your enemies and pray for your enemies? Are you really supposed to arise and shine in the darkness? Don't you just get in the darkness with everybody else? 
I feel the Holy Spirit today. So Saul took the king Agag. Everybody say Agag. And the name of these people are Amalekites. You got to watch this. And so Saul said, I'm going to capture the best of the Amalekites. And he goes back to, to Samuel, the prophet, and Samuel says, hey, Saul, this is your first mission, your first job in leadership, your first opportunity to serve, man. Did you do everything God told you to do? Look at Saul's answer. Yes, Samuel, I did all that God told me to do. I mean, you know, the Bible says in James that if we are just a hearer and not a doer, we deceive ourselves. You can actually think you're okay and be in a total season of rebellion. Stay watching. I hope, let me know if we lose any viewers because, well, I'm not going to change. <laughs> God's got a message for us today. Because we, we have a tendency to, to when God really tries to do something, you're going to see the big picture here. So Samuel says, what do you mean, Saul? You did everything that God said to do. How come I hear the sheep? Where'd the sheep come from? And who's this guy? Saul said, uh, that's, look what Saul said. Saul said, uh, Samuel, it was the people. The people pressured me. Uh, God, every time I turn on Fox News or CNN News or anything else, man, I know I'm supposed to be a man of faith and to walk in integrity and holiness God, and in the fear of God. But, but man, you see what's going on, man? It's, it's time for me to just get into the flesh and really tell people how I feel. It's the people. I can't take the pressure. And he blamed the people. Samuel looked at Saul. And I know he had tears in his eyes. And he said, you fool. Today, your kingdom is going to be taken from you and given to a man after God's own heart. What did I give you the definition of what that even means? A man who will do all that God commands. Do you see what we're dealing with today? So I want you to write my one and only point down today. When we believe our way is better than God's way, we sabotage our own destiny. I know it's 2020. I know it's all kind of crazy stuff going on. But this is still something that we got to learn to trust God, even in 2020, that his way is better than what we feel, what we feel. Esau was about feeling. The Amalekites are about feeling. He came in. He was hungry. Jacob said, sell me your birthright. He said, what are you going to give me? He said, I'll give you the bowl of soup. What he felt, his, his temporary appetite costed him his permanent destiny. The Amalekites. Watch this. Watch this. It's amazing how the Bible interprets itself. You say, well, Pastor Ray, how did it sabotage Saul's destiny? Well, if you keep reading the last chapter in 1 Samuel and the first chapter where we are today, what happened was, is even though Samuel said the kingdom's been taken from you, as I told you, God is the only boss that'll fire you but keep you working for him. Saul stayed in as king with the title for 15 years while he's chasing David on the side of the desert. David is living in little villages, in caves. We've been talking about that for weeks. 15 years, 20 chapters in the Bible is dedicated to this season of David. And Saul is not, doesn't have the blessing of God, doesn't have the favor of God on his life. He's just in the flesh. And the last chapter of 1 Samuel, it says that um, Saul and Jonathan were in a battle with the Philistines. 
Saul was injured, and they're on the side of a mountain, and the Philistines capture and kill Jonathan, David's boy, David's covenant brother. And then it says Saul is wounded, and he goes to the side of the mountain, and he says, unless the Philistines take me out, I'm going to just take my own life. And he fell on his own sword, and he died. What does it have to do with sabotaging his destiny, though? Well, if that wasn't bad enough, watch this. The first chapter of 2 Samuel, what I had you go to today, tells us a little bit more in depth. See, the Bible says that David was with his men, and he has just got through with his big deliverance from Ziklag. He don't know it yet, but he's getting ready to be given the crown of king of Judea. We'll talk about that next week. This man comes and says, hey, someone's here, David, to see you, and he, he's got a crown. David said, who is this young guy? He had dirt on him, his clothes were ripped, he was a young man, and he had a crown in his hand. And he goes, what do you got in your hand, and who are you? In verse 8, this young man stood and looked at King David, and he said, I saw Saul dying. He was wounded, and so I killed him and took his crown. I am an Amalekite. Now, we know that he fabricated the story a little bit. He wasn't the one to kill Saul. Saul killed himself. Actually, the scripture says in Chronicles that God removed Saul. But if he would have dealt with this Amalekite from the very beginning, this Amalekite wouldn't have stole his crown. And so the Lord spoke to me today and said, reminded me of Revelation chapter 3, where Jesus said to the last day church, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Isn't it amazing that when God deals with us about something in our life, it isn't for him to get some sort of satisfaction out of it. When he says he wants the rebellion, it could be pride, it could be jealousy, it could be some sin. It could, for Saul, it was pride. It could be some, some weight or something in our life. When God says get rid of it, it's not for him to benefit. It's for our benefit because it has a way of coming back around sooner or later and taking our crown. Do you see this today? That Amalekite would have never got the crown. He wouldn't even have been there. The Amalekites would have been gone, would have been eliminated. That's why Hebrews tells us in the New Testament, Therefore, brethren, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12, 1, throw aside every weight. Somebody say every weight. Every weight. Come on, put that in the chat today. I'm going to throw aside every weight. I'm going to throw aside every weight and the sin. Every weight. Anything that's weighing me down. Anything that's causing me to doubt that God is going to good, the good work he began in me. He will complete it in Jesus' name. I, I'm going to throw aside. Yes. I'm going to throw aside this jealousy. I'm going to throw aside this pride. I'm going to throw aside doing it my way. I'm going to throw aside this religion that I have. And Saul was all about religion because he was all, you know, back to when Samuel said the kingdom is taken from you today. 
That would have been a great opportunity for Saul to hit his knees and say, oh my gosh, what did I do? Which is the difference between him and David. Later you'll see that's how David responded when he messed up. But instead, this is what, Sam, this is what Saul said to Samuel. He, he looked around and he said, okay, Samuel, at least now honor me in front of everybody and walk down the mountain with me and pretend everything is okay. He was always about himself. And I, I really believe that 2020 is, is a year that God is saying, hey, man, we need to get some stuff out of our life in this season. Because God wants to use the church greater than we've ever, please listen to me, greater than we've ever been used by him before. I believe that a true and a real revival, listen, and an awakening is coming to the United States of America. I believe it is right here. But I believe it depends upon what we do right now in this cave season. I'm not being hype. I'm not being a preacher. I'm being Eddie today as a Christian. Someone that's been following God for 23 years. I've read history in the 1918s when the, when the flus were all this. We've repeated ourselves in, in history. Every time there's been a great awakening and a great revival, it's always at the end of a very dark season. There was racial discrimination in the early 1900s. So what did God do? God said, I'm going to send a revival, but I'm going to bring it through a one-eyed black man named William Seymour. In, in California on Azusa Street. Why? Who wasn't even allowed to go to Bible school because of the color of his skin. But the president of one of our schools, the Assemblies of God, said, we're going to let him in. He had, because of the segregation laws, he had to sit in the hallway and open the door and listen to the Bible lessons. I thank God he didn't quit because he knew that we, America was in its darkest hour, but he also had the faith to believe that God, one way or another, is going to work all things out for the good. And a revival like we've never seen was getting ready to come. And it did. He began to meet, and the Spirit of God was poured out in that little house. And people came from all over the world to see two things. One, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and two, blacks and whites and Latinos and browns all worshiping the same God. It was so phenomenal they had to come and see it for themselves. I'm preaching today. I'm telling you we're here again in 2020. We've gotten too comfortable the last 10, 12 years. I think kind of haughty, kind of everything else, so busy. So we didn't have time for anything. And this hits. We need to hit our knees and get rid of some Amalekites in our life because the enemy is after our crown. Jesus said it in the last days. I just read it to you. Hold on to what you have. Come on, you're watching online. Come on, say, I'm going to hold on to what I have. What does it mean? Hold on to the promises of God. Hold on to the word of God. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to walking with the Lord. And listen. Doctrinally and theologically, the enemy can't steal our crown. That's not what he means. Just like, just like the Amalekites couldn't steal Saul's crown. Saul had killed himself. He took himself out of the game. And what he's after is for you and I to quit. That's what he tried to do to the early church in the first century after Jesus was crucified. Rome said, where is this Jesus now? And began to bring persecution. But the church met together and said, Jesus is not dead. He is alive. He is rose again on that third day. And they, couldn't, they spread like wildfire and changed the culture. The Bible says, turn the known world upside down. Because they held on to the promises of God. 
So let me just close with the crown. It means many things. Number one, it means authority. The crown is the authority. That's what the enemy is after, is our authority. The church has authority. Do you realize that? We have authority in the name of Jesus. Well, that's a spiritual problem. And Pastor Eddie, we got a physical problem. No, that I just teach a whole series the first of the year on principalities and powers and the spirit realm that is so real. It's the unseen. We're seeing that right now. Hell is puking out every devil they have upon America. Let me just give you this. Matthew, Jesus said this. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on anything on earth, is it, it is a miracle. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. That's hilarious to me. It is. But for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among you. Why did I choose this scripture on authority over all those other ones? Because this one points out a secret. You, uh, authority comes from our unity, being together. I was talking at our board meeting the other day. I said, do you notice every problem that America is facing right now, whether it be the racial division, the political division, the virus, there is an underlying, remember the fractions in math school? Come on, students, y'all remember? You had, the, you had the top and then you had the common denominator. Is that what it was called on the bottom, the common denominator? I hated math. I was like, when I went to Kennedy High School, I remember they put me in the wrong class, and I was a freshman, and they put me, they put me in uh, uh, trigonometry, and I'm supposed to be in pre-algebra. <laughs> oh, that was a terrifying moment in my life. The common denominator that is in America right now, watch this, one, it's only one thing, division. Social distancing, quarantine. Now, I believe we need to be responsible and keep, you know, and not spread. If you're sick, don't go coughing. You know, I believe we need to have some, we need to abide by some of these guidelines to keep the virus down. I understand that. It's not being a man of fear. It's like when I get in my car, I believe God can protect me from a car accident, but I'm still going to put a seatbelt on. I'm just saying. I don't believe you can eat Twinkies all of your life and then believe you're going to walk in divine health. I'm just trying to help some folks today. I, I believe there is a part we play because this is a fallen world. This is a broken world, and we do got to follow by the laws of the land, gravity. What did Satan say to Jesus? Jump off the mountain because you're the son of God, and uh, the laws won't pertain to you. And Jesus said, "It's not. see, it's not walking in faith. It, it's tempting God sometimes. So, so we got to get a little balance with what we're dealing with. But the thing is, if we don't walk in fear, and we still may have to practice social distancing, but we don't need to be divided. That's what the enemy is trying to do, trying to divide us as a church, as a people. Because this scripture says, when two or three of us can come together and be united, at least let us be united, whether you feel what about a mask or this virus or not. You can talk about it in other days, but let's be united that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the only name given to men by which we are saved. Let's be united about that. And it is amazing, by the way. I, I'm going to tell you, we got 100 days from today to Election Day. You watch the narrative change on November the 4th. You just watch to see how politicized everything is. All of a sudden, you're gonna hear things change. I'm just, I'm just telling you. I believe it's a real virus. I believe you can get sick. I believe in all the stuff that's happening, yeah. But I also believe that the enemy is taking advantage of this and he's trying to rip us apart. 
I get mad. You need to get mad sometimes. But not mad at one another. We don't fight with one another. What did I say? We fight for one another. You need to get, get mad at the devil. Get mad at sin. That's who you get mad at. And let me close. Start to close. Jesus said the, the crown. The enemy wants to steal our crown because we're the only ones that can take authority over the prince of peace, the prince of darkness with the prince of peace. Policy isn't going to heal our land. It's good to start changing some things. Absolutely. When, the church, when there was a problem in the culture in Acts, the Bible says the apostles met and they got together and they figured out a plan and they moved forward. But it started with prayer. We need to take authority over the enemy. It's a spirit of division. It's a spirit that's come over this land that's trying to divide us and we take authority over it. The crown, lastly, also represents our reward. The crown represents the reward. Our, our, our place of what we receive. And that's what the, the uh, crown represented. It's what Jesus said here in Matthew 24. He's talking about the end times. And he said at that time, many will be offended. <laughs> and turn away from the faith. This is what Jesus said will happen in the last days. Many will be offended and will turn away from the faith and will, will betray and hate. See, when you're, when you're, betra when you're uh, offended, you want to get back, so you betray. And if you don't get healed of that, it turns to hatred. We're going to really get deep into that next week. Because this chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 1, opens up with King David illustrating the most powerful weapon against unforgiveness, against Saul. You'll see this. But look what Jesus said. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many. And because of lawlessness will be increased. The love of many will just grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. I just want to remind you today, church, hold on to your faith. Hold on to your crown. Don't let 2020 take what you've been believing God for, what you've been serving for all these years, what you've been sowing, what you've been worshiping. You've been having practices. We got this building. We've been working. We've been praying. And don't let 2020 steal our crown. Don't give up, but hold fast to the end. Hold fast to the end. Come on, let's stand today, if you believe that today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I knew I wouldn't have time to finish, so I, I cut it off right there. That's a good place to end, right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's do what I did. I said, God, is there any Amalekites that I've let run around in my heart? You know, Old Eddie, is the old flesh coming up? Because I want to be like David, not Saul. I don't want to reason. Well, this ain't too bad. We need to get rid of the Amalekites. And we need to hold on to our crown. That's really the message today. Let's get rid of the Amalekites. We don't want to sabotage our future. It hurts God. It grieved God's heart what Saul did. But you know what God did? He just moved on to David. What's worse 
is knowing that what you were called to do, you're watching someone else do. I did that for years. I knew God had a call on my life. But I ran like Jonah. I seen a meme on Facebook and it said, please, will all the Jonas quit running? <laughs> Anyone know who Jonah is? <laughs> I know we've kind of been in the fog, you know, it's, it's funny. It feels like it, it feels like it. You could be in a personable, personal storm because we're running from God. Come on, just close your eyes right now. Holy Spirit, just have your way. We're going to get rid of the Amalekites, but God, I want to encourage your people to hold on to their crown. Hold on what they've been believing God for. You said we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Lord, there are some of our best encouragers are in heaven right now. And I know if they were here, they would be telling us to hold on to our crowns. But Lord, you're speaking from your word in Hebrews chapter 12 and said, I'm going to speak for him. Hold on to your crown. Throw aside every weight and sin and run your race. Come on, run your race. In Jesus' name. If you're watching today, you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Come into your life. I want you to pray this with me. If you're here in the building, come on, pray it with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I admit I have sinned. I am a sinner. And I repent of my sin today. I ask you to come into my life, come into my heart. Help me to have victory over all the Amalekites, over all my flesh today. And from this day forward, help me to do all that you've commanded me to do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's sing that song one more time, Peter. Thank you. Yes, I was going to ask you. Let's worship right now. And let's be reminded that God's going to work all things out to the good. Let's just hold on to our crown. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.